This podcast is sponsored by Coastal Leather Supply, created by leather crafters for leather crafters, supplying premium leather tools and all your other leatherworking needs. Specialise in vegetable tan leather such as buttero and many others. They ship internationally and are trusted in the Australian and New Zealand leatherworking community. Visit coastalleathersupply.com.au. Welcome to episode 14 of the Joseph M. Leather Podcast. Today I'm with Tanner from Claridge Leather. Tanner is from Montana, United States. He has an Instagram following and recently started a YouTube channel called Claridge Leather, where he wants to share his knowledge and give tips to leather crafters. Some of the items he creates are bags, wallets, keychains, knife sheets, belts, and cup holders. Quote, My goal is to help you build the confidence and skills so you can build the heirlooms to give to your family and friends or to sell. Close quote. Welcome, Tanner. Thanks, Joseph. Really nice to see you. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Um, yeah. So the first question is, is how did you get into Leathercraft? Well, I love listening to other, uh, I love listening to some of your other podcasts, and I feel like so many of us share a really common story. Mm. Like, I just needed that one thing, and yeah. so for me it was a, a gun holster. Um, here in Montana, sometimes we have <laughs> guns, and so I, I have a, I had a need for a holster um, for a pistol, and I bought one. I spent like $75 on it, and I got it, and it was plastic, and I thought, man, this is... So I sent it back. It was no good. And um, I was looking at a piece of leather uh, at the place where I work. I work at a prosthetics and orthotics uh, clinic, so we happen to use leather once in a while. I thought, well, you know, maybe I can make one out of leather. So I made a really bad one at first, and then my second one, I found a pattern online for that specific model of pistol and um so the second one turned out really well like a little bit too well you know yeah. and it, i thought wow that, that actually works pretty well i could make another one after that and so that's that's how it started you know i, I made one and um bought some dye and used a little dye on the veg tan leather did some wet molding and so i, I kind of jumped into my basically first or second project pretty heavy learned how to stitch um and after making those first couple of holsters, then it turned into, you know, a wallet and a journal cover and that kind of thing. Um, also, really interesting to hear um, so many other crafters talk about Ian Atkinson. Like, that was the, he was the yeah. guy that taught me that stitch. And yeah. he was so important for a lot of us, uh, I think, just getting our feet wet and in our first uh, basic skills. So that was, I really appreciate what he put out a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, what pistol was it? It's a Glock. Yeah, uh, a Glock. Glock. Yeah. yeah, that'd be alright. Our brother shot one when he was in yeah. in America. No, no, no. Well, what was that? Oh, yeah, it was a Glock. Excuse me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah getting they... myself mixed up. Yep. Wow. Yeah, because I've seen guys when they like when they make the holsters, they get like the bl- the blue pistol, like the. It's not a real pistol, but they can use yep. it to mold. Yeah, I have some f- friends here who, you know, are full-time holster makers, and they just yes, do amazing, yes. amazing work. They're craft, but, or, mm. or uh, slice of craft, yeah. Yeah. So what what year was that? Um, I have to gauge it by how many kids I had when I started. I, I can't, I think it was uh, 2016, 2015, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah, right in there. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's I go back to this a thousand times every like podcast. It's like, yeah, when I talk to people, like it's like pre fifteen, or it's like you're like the old breed of like leather crafters. <laughs> yeah, it's like Ian Atkinson. Like I remember, I learned from him, and it's uh, 
Yeah, it's, uh, it's it's amazing how far it's come. Right, and and it's amazing how many um, really good leather crafters have only been doing it for a little while, yeah. you know, and have kind of really, I mean, just have really got a knack for it. And um, and granted, we only see I only really see people who are on Instagram. You know, that's where mm. I see the bulk of the other people's work, but um. Yeah, it's, it's really fun to see people pick it up and, and run with it. And, um, yeah. I'm sure there are people who have been doing a lot longer, but mm. maybe just aren't as visible, of course. Yeah, it's fun to see this community really grow. Yeah. Do you, was, was the holster, is that like the one where you, like you slide on with your belt? Like one of those ones? Yep. Yeah, okay. Yep. Do, you, do you still use it or... <clears throat> Yeah, yeah, and I've made quite a few since then um, for a few to sell or to give to people, or um, but I, I don't sell them anymore. It's just yeah. I started making purses instead. I think there's a lot less uh, liability selling a purse than, than a gun hole. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. So how did you refine your skills from from that? I think that I, well, I know that I'm a perfectionist in in some ways like i really want to i think i inherited that from my dad like if i'm gonna learn something i, I want to learn a lot about it so mm. that i don't do it halfway and that that is definitely to a detriment sometimes but um so each project i would really take my time and research like if i was going to make a, a knife sheet i would try to scour the forums on the internet and like get the best tips i could at that time um and sort of so I, I made a lot of things just one after another and a lot of things were for other people who just asked for this or that and um, initially it was a lot of uh, veg tan and wet molding and things like that um, so I really got I feel like that's sort of the analog version of <laughs> I mean you learn a lot of skills when those things as far as um, burnishing and having to dye your own leather and yeah. finish it other leathers you don't have to dye or finish but doing that you just get a little bit bigger scope of yeah. um, what it takes to, to, to treat the leather and things like that. So so that was a really good experience. Um, I really feel like every project, like almost every project has been a, a, a build, like a, an accumulation of skills. Mm -hmm. Like I try to tackle the next project that will include like at least one more skill that I haven't tried yet. Mm -hmm. um, even if it's a similar you know, if I'm going to make another knife sheath, maybe this one's going to have an inlay in it or it's going to have a snap on it or just one more thing um, that I haven't tried. That way, 80% of the project is kind of comfortable, but there's still something to be uh, added that I can sort of stretch myself. So yeah, I think that, you know, I didn't just keep making wallets or holsters. I think if, if somebody said, hey, could you make this, uh, you know, portfolio or or uh, whatever you know i think i would usually take it on at that point just because i was really eager to try new things so yeah yeah initially i said yes yeah do, do you do you like custom work or do you like making something and then trying to sell it um it depends you know yeah if you're asking what i like you know i do like making custom things um and I'm sure we'll kind of get into this or we can get into it now, but kind of my whole journey started on the one by one custom things, just like most of us, you know, yeah. and, and that's really fun and can be really gratifying. But um, I was listening to your podcast with uh, Jesse from Lost Penguin and 
could really relate with the way he talked about it, just that you can only do that so long before you really reach a bottleneck in your time, yeah. especially with the family. There just gets to be this breaking point where you can't, I couldn't sustain that. It just wasn't worth um, all the late nights just to try to keep up with people uh, orders. With, and it was not my, it became my, my top priority, but it should not have, you know, I have a, a family and a job and, um, Leathercraft just really overshadowed that, and I just stayed up too late. You know, just it wasn't a healthy uh, balance for me. So doing that custom work, I think I really learned a lot through it, but really had to reevaluate and um, and sustain this. I need to uh, think about ways to either make make it more, or both make it more manageable time wise and financially. Yeah. Yeah. What uh, with like holsters and all that, what sort of thickness of leather do you need? Um, generally, I would use um, <clears throat> either six to seven ounce or seven to eight ounce okay. for holsters, and and that's just veg tan tooling leather. Like yeah. Herman Oak is really good for that. Yeah. Okay. So, you were what made you actually? What made you decide to do your YouTube channel then? Uh, really, it's the same thing. It was. Um, the desire to kind of keep up with things, but, you know, I, I just found that I was really limited in, in the time that I had extra on top of my job and my family to, to give to Leathercraft. So mm-hmm. I would get, I would maybe make a post or something, you know, kind of, I've been, I've been pretty involved on Instagram. And then if I get a number of direct messages all relating to the same subject, you know, I think, oh, that's worthy of, um, maybe making a, a post on Instagram about, but Instagram's not a good place, not a great place to archive um, those kinds of things. Yeah. Um, how-tos and things. However, like, I found that as I, over the few years I have been on Instagram, I would, like, really not be shy just about posting things like the process and um, finished products as well, but a lot of times it's just things on the workbench and, you know, a little... Uh, a, a tip that I have found to work or to learn from somebody else or things that I would just want to pass on or a mistake I've made. Um, and I found that those are the, the things that really attracted uh, conversation and people really seemed to uh, gather around and, and kind of chime in and that became really fun. And so um, over time, the the Instagram for me has become less of like, well, I don't have anything for sale just because I don't, I don't have time to make anything to sell. So yeah. it's really become... Um, like here's the process of what I'm currently making and uh, let's let's talk about it and that just became uh, just uh, January 1st of this year just became like a the turning point for me where I said why not why don't I um, just start a YouTube channel where I can archive this and then anytime somebody says hey do you have any tips on this you know maybe I'll have a video that I can direct them to that I've put some real serious thought into that could help do a better job answering those questions and I just know that, like when I started, um, there really weren't too many good resources out there. And you know, I, like when I was learning, trying to learn how to make a bag, for example, just a tote bag, you really, you know, just like zooming in on other people's pictures and like <laughs> trying to turn it over. <laughs> yeah. That seemed done, and I still do that. But I want to make that a little. I want to make that barrier to entry easier for people. Yeah. Like it doesn't have to be. Just like let's. And I know now we all really appreciate that in general about our community, which is awesome. Most of the time people are really willing to share and mm-hmm. 
So I just wanted to make the craft accessible, more more accessible for people who want to do it as a hobby or um, to make some money at it. You know, to to learn how to do it well, um, not just feel like you're hacking your way through your first year of it. You know, like yeah. you can jump in and execute some things really well off the bat, and it's not doesn't take expensive tools necessarily. It just takes maybe getting like a half dozen of the right tools and then you can really go to town. You can make some really nice looking stuff and not have to spend too much time with like work looking like a beginner made it, you know, it can look good soon. I think. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. You, you, oh, you touched on like a bunch of points then. Cause, um, do you know when, yeah, cause I know what you mean by you, you try and look at someone's work to see how they did it. I'm trying to figure out how to make accordion gussets. <laughs> do you know yeah, <laughs> and uh, I found one um, forum where some guy actually teaches you how to make a briefcase with accordion gussets, but uh, but that's like the only one that I've I've found, and all his measurements are like one to one measurements, and uh, mm. but yeah, I know what you mean because it's like uh, it's um yeah, but uh, going back to what were you saying? Do you know when you say oh you were saying about how the leather craft became you were sort of like hitting a, a ceiling so to speak because like with time your family and that sort of stuff uh, i'm starting to notice that now as i'm selling more things and i'm sort of i'm selling things at uh you have that crafter's guilt of like of not selling yeah. it at, at what you should be selling it but you're sort of selling it underneath what you should be selling it because it's you know you, you don't want to come i don't know you just want to sell it but you'll make like a little bit of money but not as much as you would be making if you sold at full price anyway um one of my oblong punches the ones we do the belt loops that yep. got warped that got warped and because it was a cheap one and i've had it for years and years and that that's been that warped so i was looking for like a new oblong puncher and so i looked on this website and i was like, well, I, was, I was thinking well i might as well get like a good one because so this doesn't happen again and I think it's like fifty. It was fifty-five pounds, so whatever that is in Australian, probably like, no, seventy or eighty dollars or something. And I was thinking like, I'm selling my work less than what I should be, and now I have like problems like this where a tool will, will break or something like that, and then I'll have to. You, you sort of, um, you're you're not helping yourself if that makes sense. Like when you, right? Uh, yeah. So. Yeah. And right, you're 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 paying maybe for your time, and maybe for your materials, but you're not paying for your business or for your food, you know. And, um, I, in talking with um, or in listening to Don Gonzalez, a saddle maker, he he's got and he on his podcast he's got some great thoughts on this, and he helped me think about that in a little bit different way in terms of not only charging a price that's good for you, but also even thinking about charging a price that's good for the community of leather crafters like um you, you know just you gotta you gotta pay for well i personally i'm not a full-time crafter yeah so there's a fee for someone who's just doing it on the side to to charge less because it's you know it's just a, just for fun kind of and you want to make a little money um but it it can for one thing, you should charge a, a good fair price, you know, a good healthy price that allows you to stay in it and stay motivated and have fun. And then also just it helps the rest of the community. You know, the guy who is trying to feed his family, um, if you charge a price that's that helps raise the 
um, well, the, the awareness among the con- consumers, like, you know, a, a good tote bag is going to cost this much money, you know, mm-hmm. whether you buy it from me or from him. And uh, it helps kind of make it seem like that guy who's, who's actually doing it, try to feed his family. He's not, he's not outrageous, you know, in his prices. He's really doing what it takes to run a business like that. You know, yeah. the rest of us can look at that and think, well, it's, I understand that, although it's not my primary income, I, I kind of understand where that's coming from. So, so not only just to pay for the leather, which is a, an easy um, route to go as a hobbyist, you know, just, just want to charge people what it, what it takes, you know, for the leather and maybe a little time, but, um, you know, thinking about it from the perspective of somebody who's actually using it as a, as a way to provide for their family, um, it takes a lot more than just time and materials for, for that. You know, they got to think ahead for tools and rent and food and you know it's um it changed the way i thought about it a little bit yeah yeah i know it's, it's amazing because when you you pick up on all these things as you go along and uh yeah so um what is your yeah actually yeah because i was watching one of your videos actually because yeah because youtube's one of those social media platforms where like you said it's good for archiving things whereas other platforms it's more so, it's more of like a day-to-day upload thing where like with Instagram, you have to, you know, once you upload something, you know, it's gone, you know, in a week's time. So you have to try and keep uploading to like stay on, on top of, so to speak. Whereas with like YouTube, you can post a video and then it's, it's sitting there, but it might get like recommended to someone, you know. Someone mm-hmm. might be watching a video, but your video has been up there for like a year, but it might get recommended to someone. So, yeah, that's the one thing about yeah YouTube. And I, yeah, I remember I was watching your saddle stitch video and yeah, I was reading some of the comments and people were like, wow, like, this is such like an in-depth, um, you know, guide to saddle stitching. So, yeah, it's... Um, yeah, I realize that I'm, you know... Um, in comparison to other people who I consider like more legitimate leather crafters, you know, like um, I, where I kind of sit or, or picture myself in the scheme of, of leather crafters is like kind of rugged, practical, good, simple stuff. Um, kind of approachable, like in, in both of the, the type of work that I do, but also the finished product. It's not like so exotic and unattainable. Um, but that, so I'm not making like the high end luxury handbags and things in my, in my view, nor am I charging for them, but I do try to make them nice. But all that to say, like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not hand stitching with an all, you know, like a lot of the other guys do and things like that. So when I teach a saddle stitching video, I, I, I guess I try to communicate it in a way that lots of people could pick up and like make a quick improvement in doing their their first wallet or their 10th wallet, you know, it's like, wow, that really, a light bulb just came on. It's not like you got to really take that next step. And then, then you're using the, the all and things like that. It's kind of the, not a hack or a shortcut really, but you know, it's a good, a way to make nice clean stitching. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just funny. Like, it's just, yeah, it's just funny. It's like the little hacks that people come up with. Well, not really hacks, but, um, you, have you cut up your blue jeans yet? To make a straw? Oh, actually, I, yeah, so I actually, <laughs> I, went, <laughs> I went to an op shop and I just found, I went to like the jeans rack and I just got a pair of jeans and I don't know how much they were. Oh, no. And uh, yeah, so, <laughs> but I haven't, I haven't used the, um, 
because because Martin did do a video where he actually did on on Instagram, and he okay. used like masking tape to, to tape the the jeans down, and uh, um, and every time I'd do it, the the jeans would like pop up. Like I think it was like <laughs> not very good masking tape that I was using. Oh, okay. But uh, I'm not. I'm, yeah, that, that was a pretty cool tip. Yeah. So uh, yeah, the 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 what is it? The metal polish compound. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, um, I, I don't. Um, yeah, I looked it up. Yeah, yeah. Did did they have? Auto saw. Yeah. Yeah. Or did they actually have some in? I think it's made in America. Actually, that stuff. Yeah, I, I looked it up. I didn't I looked at, I, at a hardware store? They didn't have it, but I saw where I could order it uh, oh. online. So I might, do, I might have to do that. I, might, I should um should buy bulk auto sew and sell it <laughs> to people overseas. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, what's your favorite thing about teaching leather craft? And do you think this is probably <laughs> the sort of one? Would you want to do one-on-one teaching? You know, I love I love one-on-one teaching, um, which is really why I started the YouTube channel um, because I I don't I can't physically uh, you know in terms of time and location I can't do one-on-one very often. Although if somebody's in town, I would you know I like to have them in the shop and things. But <clears throat> just since that's not possible, um, I almost enjoy it as much to make a video and then have people. Like almost every day, somebody will send me a picture of a tote bag that they made. Like, hey, I watched your video. <clears throat> I tried my first bag, and I gave it to my wife, and she loves it. And that's, cool. that's like so so rewarding because yeah. it like unlocks that that um, you know if somebody knows now not only how to make a tote bag but how to make a pattern any size they want. They can they can have so many doors open. You know, they can make a little purse for their daughter, a big purse for their wife. They can make a roll top backpack, you know, it's all the same. And, uh, mm-hmm. and that gets unlocked for somebody. And it's pretty fun when they can send me a, a picture of, you know, what they you know, did their first wallet or their first bag. And um, just to know that they learned something from a video, that's really rewarding. So, yeah, I can't really have, too, you know, just too many people actually in my shop, mm-hmm. as many as I would like. But um, I think one-to-one is good, but one to a hundred or... 10 or a thousand that's really cool too and yeah. happy to happy to do that I, I think that um i'm excited for the potential for that you know i think there's um a lot of people who are hungry for the right kind of instruction and um like i, I know that we there are lots of good teachers out there and i learn a lot from a lot of people on youtube and um so the things i'm teaching i know there will be some overlap but um I know also know that we we learn differently from different teachers. Yeah. Like in high school, you know, a few different math teachers, for example, and you may just learn better from one math teacher than another. And um, everybody's got their own kind of fingerprint in in the way they teach and what they have to bring. So I feel like although there are other teachers out there, like hopefully what I teach connects with um, the right people. So I think that's what that's what makes me excited about it. Yeah. You should. Um. Yeah. Because I remember I was. The one thing that I would like to learn how to do is, do you know, on your, I'm looking at the picture on your Instagram. Do you know with your briefcases, you don't actually use the the buckles to open it. You use like the little clicker, like underneath the thing. Oh yeah. 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 I, I remember I was looking at that picture. I was like, how do you do the, how do you connect the, the little clicker thing, to the buckle? 
Yeah, they don't, they don't come with instructions. So <laughs> I, I, the hardware and kind of, you know zoom in on other people's pictures at that point and like piece it together. But yeah, so yeah, that would be a good like that. That I made a turn lock video recently. Like it's another thing I've used on bags where yeah, I watched that. Yes, I watched that yesterday yeah. and I was like, because that turn lock looks nice and I was like, oh, that'd be nice to put on my tote bag. But you need to have like uh, like a bit of a liner to get that second part. So it's not sticking through the front. Yeah. The... Yeah, I like that video. Yep. And it's from Buckle Guy as well, so that's... Yeah, and Buckle Guy, they've been really good. We've... Um, you know, there's a lot of good uh, distributors and um, vendors who just seem really gracious. Um, and, and, like, they understand. I think they appreciate that they're... They, they can't always make um, videos for instruction for all their hardware. Mm -hmm. They make a lot of really good hardware, but I think it's a little bit of a pinch point where they can put the hardware up but can't always explain exactly how to install it. So yeah. I've talked with them about, you know, opportunities to show that, you know, like th those are the things I use anyway, so it's fun for me to, uh, you know, help explain kind of how they work. And yeah. so that's been, been cool. But, yeah, with the, the tuck locks, like on that briefcase, um, I was talking to a friend who has a bag and he's, I was just about to make mine and he like stopped me and said, dude, you, you have to put tuck locks on it because I have one. It's a great satchel, but I hate uh, doing the buckles every time. So yeah. I was always that little tip. So he like urged me last second. Yeah. No, cause I, I want to make a briefcase and cause I like the classical, like, but like the, the buckle look, but yeah, it's, it's, um, but yeah, like you said, it's just to, to take them off. It's just a pain. But uh, the little, but at least with the tuck locks, they they're sort of hidden. Like you, you don't notice them. Like you still keep that original yeah. aesthetic look. They're just hidden away. And the strap, all in the same old way. But um, yeah, it's it's a nice touch. I think it's a good option. Yeah. And it's not 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 hard to do when you have the hardware in your hand and look at how it goes together. But yeah. Yeah, definitely do a video on it because I, I just like you zooming in on it. And it's like, how does he get the, uh, <laughs> the uh... yeah? Oh, is it like another? Is it like a separate? Oh, so instead of linking that bar. Oh, I see how you do it. Yeah, okay. So like the bar sort of acts as like a. Uh, like where the belt loop should go, where the belt belt loop should loop should hold. You put that tuck, leather over the top of it yeah yep. okay okay that might okay no, I, I don't know. it's not bad yep yeah no, that's a good idea actually do, do they just come in the antique looking color or do you can you get the solid cut like brass looking yeah buckle guy does uh brass antique brass nickel uh bl maybe even black mm -hmm. at least four colors i think yeah Actually, I'll ask you about that briefcase while I'm here. What what sort of leather do you use for that? So that was just straight up uh, Herman Oak yeah. edge tan tooling leather. Those were it was a really nice hide. It was a um, I think it was seven to eight ounce. It was a back, so it was just a big, nice piece of really solid leather. And uh, so the main body is seven to eight ounce and i think the side gussets are six to seven ounce and i think the strap over the shoulder is 
heavier stuff too, nine ounce or something. But yeah. I just kind of had it around and I just had this like, it was one of those like someday projects that I had to make someday. And it was in my head and I was like turning it over and over. And I started to make some drawings over like the, the course of months, you know. And finally I made a pattern out of poster board, kind of some stiff paper and just kind of, then it went pretty rapidly once I started to make it a little more concrete. But I thought about that so much, just daydreaming as I drove and slept. And so I was really glad to finally get one made. And it yeah. was a big project. I haven't made any more, but I have the pattern. And um, it's a little bit involved. Like, there's some wet molding involved on the gussets on the side. But oh, yeah. I really, I designed it so that um, so that it could be sewn on a sewing machine. Mm-hmm. I kind of intended to make to, to stitch it by hand, but then we just we had our a baby right then, so I uh, just found that I I would probably never get it done if I was going to attempt it by hand. So I just was able to do it on the sewing machine, and and yeah. it worked out really well. I kind of designed it the radiuses and things around the capabilities of the cylinder arm sewing machine I have, and it worked pretty mm-hmm. well. So yeah. I was encouraging. Yeah, I like it because it kind of looks, because I like that traditional English looking style, and it kind of looks like that, which I like. It, it kind of has that, um, yeah, that's sort of still that traditional look, but it's sort of a bit Western at the same time. Yeah, I really love the look of those, uh, what do they call them, lash tabs, you know, those little di- those little squares that the, oh, the yeah. two straps come through. Oh, yep, yep, yeah. Just um, reminds me of my backpack as a kid, you know. Yeah. Going to school, I think. Oh, yeah. Sport back. Um, so that's something I, I'll always love to see it on other people's stuff, and I yeah. kind of like to include it when I can. Did you have to put, like, a metal bar through the top of it? Like, to... Or do you no. Just... Um, the letter is heavy enough. It's it's. Pro- I think it may be even 9 ounce, but um, it's just real firm-tempered, so there's... I thought about that, but there's uh, basically two layers of that. There's that kind of strip along the top that's also oh, pretty yeah. heavy, so yeah, yeah, it really holds it quite well. Yeah, yeah. I stitched that tote bag that I made by hand, and uh, <laughs> it's like yeah. the different <laughs> angles I had to stitch it was just like absolutely like the improvisation that I had to come like the improvis- <laughs> improvisation that was used in stitching some of the sides was just like I didn't even know you could. You know, with a having a pole with like a clamp, like with a little paper clamp thing, holding, yeah. using tiger thread. Never, to and then you finish. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Have you have you thought about selling the pattern? <laughs> that well, I, that leads me, yeah, to a it's a good question. I um, right now, I usually just I hand draw my patterns, but my big push right now kind of in conjunction with the YouTube thing. Um, when I say push, like, I guess a goal, a short-term goal is to get savvy on Adobe Illustrator so I can make good patterns to yeah. provide. Yeah. Um, I think it'd be a nice way to include those. I have a few patterns that are digitized, but um, I'm just not efficient enough yet on Illustrator to be able to do that very well. So mm-hmm. when I am, you know, that would be a pattern I would think about selling or, or maybe modifying a little bit so it, it could be a little more transferable. Um, yeah. Out some of the real, you know, tricky, 
not that people can't attempt tricky things, but you know, I, I like I made my own mold for the wet molding portion of it, stuff mm-hmm. like that. It would to be able to, you know, not yeah. be, not have it as an, but um, but yeah, I, I really want to make some more patterns that uh, to offer or you know, digitized patterns I do have already because I, I look at it two ways. Like I think the best thing in the end is to teach people how to make their own patterns. I really like that. That's, that's a good thing for everybody. Um, and it, you know, it's, uh, rewarding for them to learn that new skill. But at the same time, some people want to, you know, I, I know that I learn a lot by working through somebody else's actual pattern that's already been established. Yeah. So, um, yeah, definitely want to get, uh, that's something I want to do this year for sure. Yeah. Yeah, because you can, um, and you can always you can always edit the the pattern as well. Like if if you buy a pattern, you can just add, you know, you can take things out and change the design a bit. So, um, well, that leads me on to the next question. So, how have you felt? How have you found the leathercraft community? It's been awesome. <laughs> uh, I I. I don't know how, how many years ago was it six or so that I started and, and basically might've been my third project ever. I just, you know, started an Instagram account, which was, I had never done Instagram before that. I just thought here's a place to start to document it, I guess. So, um, I was pretty hungry to learn. And so I started following a lot of other crafters, many of whom have become good friends now. And, um, found that lots of them were quite open. You know, I tried not to bug anybody too much, but um, if I had a specific question, you know, lots of people were pretty willing to help me out. And um, so I really tried to reciprocate when I can. And um, yeah, I think it's a, it, it's really neat when somebody is new to Leathercraft and, and is really surprised by the kindness they find, you know, mm. like, wow, I just can't believe how open people are here. And I think that's a good thing. I think largely because I, you know, it's not a full-time thing. I, I feel like it's kind of the dessert that I get like some days, you know, yeah. at the end of the, you know, sometimes it works out that I get a little shop time. And something that I, I realized is kind of funny that if I'm in the shop, lots of times I'll listen to a podcast or something. But what I found is like usually the podcast will, will end and then I'll find it's like two hours later and I'll be like total silence, but I haven't even noticed because it's just i get i just love it you know i think it's uh i'm just like a like a kid you know um the creative especially if you're making working on a new pattern like it doesn't matter if there's a podcast on or anything it's like that that type of time is so rare for me you know that uh yeah i just absolutely love it um yeah. nothing i'd rather rather be doing and it's so nice that it can be done in the in the hours where just about everybody else is asleep, you know, I, I have to discipline myself to, um, you know, if my wife is awake and wants to hang out, um, that's the time where I need to not be in the shop, you know, like after yeah. the kids go to bed, but you know, if she goes to bed earlier, um, and I still have some energy to be in the shop, like it's, it's so fun to be, be there by myself and yeah. make, yep. yeah. So, cause you, you were mentioning Parker's video. He, he gave you a shout out. That's sort of where I came across you because I. I oh. So wh- why do you think he did that? I don't know. I mean, he, he's a good guy. We we've become. You know, he was one of the guys that was kind enough. Like his, 
as I was getting started, I feel like I probably reached out to him pretty early on. And, um, yeah, we, he, in a lot of ways, is kind of like the, a forerunner for me. Like, he's been down a lot of the roads, certainly the YouTube road. And so I, uh, pick his brain once in a while. And, um, yeah, he's, he's kind enough to give me, uh, insight, you know, and so we've become, I've never met him in person, but, um, good acquaintances for sure. And, um, so that was just a nice surprise one day. And I, definitely it was like, I don't remember, I had under a thousand YouTube subscribers or a couple hundred or something, but, um, there was a big bump there. <laughs> a lot of people popped over from his channel and let me know that. And it was like super, super nice. So, um, that was a big boost for sure for me and kind of an encouragement to, um, stay with it and, you know, just feel like I, I do maybe have something to offer there and fun to be recognized. Like, um, you know, if somebody else has a little bit of faith in you, somebody who's kind of done it before that meant, meant the world to me that he would kind of spur me on and say like, and I'm watching, you know, <laughs> I'm not, yeah. not going to give up on you. You know, you better get after it. So that, yeah. that meant a lot. It was really a fun, fun boost. Yeah. No, that's awesome. What's your, what's your favorite item to make and future projects you would like to do? Um, I really, I, I like making bags that, that has become yeah. something I'm doing because it's a, you know, the finished product is so nice and usable and, um, just, you can hand it off to somebody and they know exactly what to do with it. You know, it's not, you know, something they can use every day. And, um, so yeah, that's become a really satisfying thing. And, and, you know, even more than just, uh, there's a lot of types of bags that I haven't made that I want to, mm -hmm. the brief was a really good one to check off the list as at least sort of a something in that genre. But um, yeah, there's just quite a few others, you know, backpacks and things uh, and canvas and leather together. I just have a lot of ideas that um, I follow a couple, couple guys. One guy is a, a Russian fellow, um, not less or equal is the name of his account. It's all one word. Um, not less or equal and his his work is just absolutely stunning like you know it has those those classic traits like everything about it is classic but at the same time just it's totally modern like i don't know how his brain works but um he executes really well and uh, every time i see that stuff i think man that's i would love to just spend some time um working on things kind of like that so um yeah there are a few a few people who really inspired me in, in bag making. Um, and I have a, a friend locally, actually, he's a, a master tailor and he makes all kinds of things, clothes and things, but he also makes shoes, like really cool, totally handmade shoes. Mm -hmm. And he has offered to, you know, teach me how to do that or at least help me make a pair or two. And, um, that would be a really, when time permits, that would be a really cool opportunity because shoes are something that, um, I've always been kind of fascinated with, and it's, yeah, it's one so, of the, same. You, you can make a pair of shoes for yourself or your kids. You know that's pretty neat. Just mm -hmm. just today, I, I put a video up of making a, a pair of booties for my our baby, who's uh, just turned one, and that was a fun video to make. Um, and it was my first pair of shoes ever. It's kind of like, you know, not it, it's sort of a intro to making shoes. You know, baby booties are are fairly easy, but um fun to come up with the pattern and make a pair. My, my goal was to make them before she started walking so she could, you know, walk in some shoes that I made and just really fun to jump into that. But yeah, 
doing a little more, a little more legitimate job at making some shoes would be a, you know, something yeah. I'd love to do. Some. Yep. Yeah, that's the good thing about black baby shoes. Is that they're sort of all the same size when they're babies. So yeah, it's like a one size fits all. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's, it's a fun project, and um, you know, it just like one of those times where it's uh, just fun to be in the shop. Like I've never made that before, so I wonder if I can. And you kind of, you know, work through the process. And you know, I think I think a lot of times you you get close, maybe on your first attempt or halfway there, and uh, kind of iron it out. But yeah, it's just I love. I don't have time to do a lot of custom work, but you know, you know how fun it is when you do, and you can. Um, just take the time to do one thing and hopefully do a good job. Yeah. Yeah, I'm watching that video now. You actually use the tape to go over the the shoes. That's cool. Yeah. I think people do that, you know, on a, a shoe last. Yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah, but I never, yeah. And I just thought it might as, might as well kind of, uh, it just sort of was an idea on the fly and um Versus just coming up with a pattern from scratch because it didn't have a last, and so it worked out really well. It fit good. Yeah. What did you use for the sole? Did you use a thicker leather? Just, just the same. Okay. Yeah, just you know, my thought was to kind of like overbuild them, you know, I, <laughs> which was uh, a pain at the end when I tried to turn them inside, right side out. Now I realize why they use uh, thinner leather. <laughs> All yeah. those tiny. But um, yeah, so you won't wear through those soles anyway. It's about. I know you're. Uh, are you? Do you talk in ounces of leather? I know you do millimeters, but yeah, five I, ounce. Yeah, I know. I think I know. I think five ounces, two millimeters. I can get a chart up. Uh, yeah, so fairly like almost like yeah, it's what I would use on a bag or you know a lighter weight tote. But it ended up being a, a pretty thick uh, little little shoe to turn right side out. But but they're cool. It was fun. Five ounces. Yeah. Oh. Oh, yeah, five ounces, two millimeters. Okay. Yeah, I'm trying to do a better job, you know, throwing out some millimeters in my videos. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. You can always just um, Google a leather right. guide. So. That's right. Yeah. Um, actually, yeah, actually, I remember I did see a, a girl. I went to this market. She was actually making baby booties, sort of what you, what you made. And I'm pretty sure yeah. that they, they can, you can just use the normal leather for the sole. Like you don't have to use like sole leather because, um, yeah, I don't think you, I don't think you need to, to to use. Yeah. Yeah, my daughter has. We have a we, well, we have four kids, so they've all gone through the baby booties and stuff, and yeah, they all seem to be pretty good to go on just the same. Yeah. You know, fairly thin leather, but. Wow, that's cool. They actually look quite nice. The shoes. Yeah, they turned out. You know, I'd be proud to see her around town <laughs> yeah we could you could sell that could be a thing you could sell at the market you're gonna do you could make some of but those. the thing is they're a, they're a hassle you know <laughs> pretty hard to make really um i have to yeah but you're right that, w- that would be pretty fun mm-hmm. and you don't have to want to make you don't have to do left or right shoes i don't think i think you can just have them the one yeah i did you know do a le- kind of a left and right oh but... yeah okay it doesn't matter, you know, again. <laughs> yeah. He's not going to complain. <laughs> you you told me about the kind of boots you have, right? Yeah. I, I forgot the, that the type of sole that's got on them. Good year. Stitch, stitch sole. Yeah, good, they have a good year welted. Mm-hmm. So, cool. Yeah. yeah. I've had a, a lot of fun 
um, I got a message from a place called Nick's Handmade Boots um, mm -hmm. a couple a year or two ago, a couple mm -hmm. years, and it turned out it was a guy that I went to like middle school with in high oh, school, wow. and he's the manager there now. So, um, he, so we got together and just had so much to talk about. You know, now that we're kind of happened to both land back sort of in the leather world. You know, he's yeah. um, working in this boot. They make uh, heavy-duty work boots and some casual boots, but um, just just a couple hours from here. So, you know, they supply boots for the wildland firefighters and just real neat, um, yeah, cool. So, I, but I've got to visit the factory a couple times, and how it's just so fun. It's like the best field trip ever for a leather worker to <laughs> see all that, and that, that's really got me going. You know, um, wanting to make my own someday, but fun fun to kind of connect with. Um, you know, I, I'm sure it's similar in Australia, but, um, you know, we're proud to have things made in the USA and yeah. fun to see really good stuff made just, you know, nearby here. So, yeah, yeah, yeah I know, I know what you mean. It's, yeah, uh, that's why I like the boots that I have a lot of people buy them. Um, and it's interesting as well, because like you look at like the American boots and they're, uh, yeah, like, every country has their different type of boots. Like, you have, like, the lace-up sort of boots, whereas more Australians have that Chelsea boot slip-on. Like, the ones yep. I got on the RM Williams there, like a slip-on boot. I remember I was on Weaver's weather, Weathercraft website, and this was, like, ages ago when I was buying tools, and I was like, yeah, I'll get something that's made in America. Because <laughs> it's, you know, it's usually, like, so, like it's well-made, and... um. Yeah, I think the uh, the wing dividers that I have, they're they're made in America, like OS Born, I think they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. old school. Yeah, yeah, so it's like yeah, got something made in America. <laughs> it should last. <laughs> yeah, it does you know? Yeah, it does. well, this is yeah, that's the thing. Like, um, uh. yeah, actually, with that canvas material, where do, whereabouts do you get that? Because actually, I was looking up that guy. Uh, what was that guy that you like the not not, not less sorry yeah i like how he does that canvas with the leather it, it looks quite nice the place i get i have bought canvas and i haven't bought a whole lot but um sometimes it's you run into the issue of having to buy you know a certain quantity a minimal quantity which ends up being a lot more than i would ever use but there's a place called big duck canvas mm -hmm. uh, you can buy it by the yard there so that's a nice service you can kind of yeah dabble without you know ending up with way more material than you need so yeah do you need to have a sewing machine i'd say it's a lot better that, yeah yeah yeah, that, yeah it'd be easy with a sewing machine and actually when, when you when you stitch leather onto canvas can you just use your normal vegetable tan yeah yep you can i mean there's somebody might have a, a different idea but i just uh uh, you know, it's a, I think it's, there's freedom to try anything. Like, um, I have an, an apron, you know, and it's, yeah, I saw that. pockets are actually the exact same height as I used for those booties for my girl. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, I have a flatbed sewing machine that I bought. Um, doesn't work great for a lot of things, you know, when, that, when the leather gets a little heavier, but for like a thinner layer of leather onto canvas, it works really well. So, yeah. um, the, the thing you run into with fabric though, is like dealing with the edges, you know, like leather, you can either, 
you know, roll the edge and stitch oh, it yeah. or, or burnish it. But then canvas, you cut the edge and then you have to get rid of that raw edge somehow by like folding it twice and then stitching it. So I think it's a little more of a hassle. I, I, I look up to people who are, uh, you know, who sew fabric stuff. My, I have an aunt who lives nearby who just is teaching my nine-year-old daughter uh, sewing, you know, sewing, and, and they're sewing all kinds of stuff together. And I just think it's fascinating how they mm. tricks they have, you know. Um, it's just second nature for them to do all those fancy seams and stuff like that. And I think, man, I should, like, educate myself and sit in on some of their lessons because I think there's so many, like, things that would be pretty basic for a, an actual seamstress. Um, yeah where now I'm just like the leather guy trying to figure it out on my own. But I think um, if I had some more background in that, I could, you know, be a real asset for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's even, that's the thing. Cause even seamstresses, this is like another art within itself. It's uh, I think my, my, my mum's auntie, she was like a seamstress and she was just like remarkable apparently. Like just the things that, mm-hmm. you know, they can make is, um, uh, yeah, the, it's it's so cool, and they um, so I, I have a a book that I just got from Tandy Leather, which is like a, it has some different bags in it, some patterns, which is something I've never done is looked at actual patterns that other people make, um, and tried to work through them, and so I think it'll be a cool exercise because there's you know lined bags, which I've never never done a lined bag, um, mm-hmm. just a a drop in like a bag within a bag and he sewed the top and um, with zippers inside and just stuff that like I haven't known how to do it but I haven't done it I don't really like to do it I don't like a line bag personally but it would be cool to have that skill just because it's you know it's never a bad thing to learn new skills so I'm kind of excited I think with my daughter we're going to work through some of those things together because she's um, got a lot of good new skills and uh, but yeah we'll kind of go through this pattern book and maybe make some some of the projects in there together so we can both learn yeah what level was that the use for the the baby shoes it is a uh, it's from tandy leather it's called they call it montana sides it's a um it's a vegetable tan leather but it's okay it's a it's kind of a soft tempered what's well, it's quite soft tempered yeah um it's not like a tooling leather but it's a vegetable tan uh it's if you ever seen like Horween Dublin or something like that, it's kind of like that, a little softer temper though, but it has kind of a waxed finish and a real nice color to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because I, I want to make an apron, and it's like you can use you don't use like vegetable tan because that's some that's too stiff. You can use like a it's like a retan or something like that, but I don't know where to get like where do you get like a retan from. Because it's kind of, I don't know, how how do you, because there's chrome tan and then there's vegetable tan and then there's, because I'm more of a vegetable, I'm, never, I'm more of a vegetable yeah, tan kind of person. Well, but, it's pretty muddy. Um, yeah, it's pretty fast, but some of the leathers I like, uh, well, yeah, you know, in, in the vegetable tan realm, some are softer tempered just because they're tumbled yeah. or milled. Um, or just, you know, treated differently. Um, but I think, you know, some of the, a lot of the, I don't know if, like, Horween makes anything that's straight chrome tan. Most of what they make is, like, veg, if, if it's not veg, and it's a veg retan, like the uh, Chrome XL and Cavalier and stuff. Yeah. 
those are awesome. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little bit more familiar with, I, I only just uh, this month got my first Italian veg tan hide, the Vachetta from Buckle Guy. It's an oh, olive yeah. green double shoulder, so I can't wait to, I'm going to make a clutch out of that. And I don't know, it's, it's really beautiful, but I am very, uh, all that is brand new to me, you know, anything from Italy, so yeah. there's a lot, lot to learn about that. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I hope you have a... Yeah, I've looked at their, their Fischetta colors, Buckle Guy has. Yeah. Now, that's awesome. Are you going to do it lined, the bag, or the little... Yeah, it'll just be a small, like a wallet, like a... With a little zipper in it. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, no, not lined. It's just pretty simple. Yeah. 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 It's... I made it recently, like, oh, a week or two ago. I don't... Yeah, so whatever the most recent clutch is that I put on Instagram, it's uh, it's like that. It'll just be green. So yeah, okay. yeah. Um, so what kind of leather do you use? Well, my um, from the beginning, uh, well, at, at the very beginning, I used a lot of the just vegetable tan tooling leather, and mm-hmm. that's nice because you can do just about anything with it. You can. You know, make it whatever color you want. You can stamp it or, you know, dye it or tool it or do whatever you want. But that, I've sort of gotten away from that mostly because uh, it's just not the kind of product. I don't like to do a lot of tooling and, and stamping and things like that generally. It's it's fun once in a while, but, um, or if I'm doing like a, a holster or a knife sheath, it's mm-hmm. good to have it around. But um, since I, I'm doing a lot of bags and things like that. I like to have a good variety of kind of the five to six ounce bag leather, kind of medium tempered stuff. And I really like, uh, you know, Horween makes some nice stuff for sure. Dublin and, and uh, Cavalier, some of their, uh, they call it legacy. It's kind of a variation of the Latigo. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not real particular, I guess, but yeah. the, the most, leather I have around are just kind of the bag leathers mm-hmm. that's from from Tandy and um, SB is another American tannery they make the leather for red wing boots um, and I got a little bit of that lately so there's a place called Maverick leather um, I don't know if you've seen them but they they sell overstock and seconds primarily of lots of the big tanneries and so you can often find really good deals on hides that have some blemishes yeah, kind of from the beginning, where I would go to get some exposure, get my hands on some leather that I probably couldn't afford otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the nice Horween leathers and stuff. So you buy it, and there might be a portion of the hide that's unusable, unusable, but um, you know you can at least make a bag or something out of it. So yeah, I, or an apron yeah. be good with an apron. So yeah, a, a friend who's a, a knife maker called. He wanted to make his own apron, and he asked where to get some leather. Um, so he went there and got some bison chrome XL and it made the coolest apron, um, just like a black bison. It's kind of a real neat texture. So, uh, yeah, a good deal on a hide like that. You know, it's, it's hard to know where to, where to go. So sometimes it's, I like going to the thrift store, um, you know, and finding some deals on, on things like that. So I'm always a little bit thrifty. Um, I don't want to sacrifice like the quality of the leather in things that I sell by any means, like the, the, what I sell would always be the best quality, but sometimes on a, on a hide that is sold as a second, 
you get rid of the portion of the hide that's not usable and you can you know have a lot of the, the same it's the same the rest of it is the same quality so yeah. um yeah maverick leather is a really cool place i like to uh you know they, they offer some really neat stuff sometimes yeah i'm looking at their french calf burgundy glazed french calf um what's kip it says veg tan calf kips you know, I don't know exactly. Besides that, it's kind of a soft, thin. Yeah. Um, I don't know the origin or the if there's something real specific about it. I have to look it up. But yeah. the leather that I've held, which is very just very little, was real soft tempered and thin. But I'm yeah. not sure if it's all. Yes. Yeah, uh, looking at. I, I heard from somebody that it was from a young young cow, but I'm I. I yeah, I think I think it might be. So Horring seconds. Oh yeah, so they got Bridzen Cavalier, Chrome XL, Derby, Dubman, Essex, Heavyweight. So what would be a good apron? Chrome XL. Well Chrome XL is, has a it's a heavier feeling. It's it's packed with a lot of oils and waxes. You know, it's a people sometimes like it and things like boots and things. Um it's real weather resistant. If you plan to get, uh, you know, it's probably be the kind of leather where you could wipe most things off of it. If you got glue on it or something, it might just wipe off. Um, versus a, a more dry feeling leather. Yeah. Um, so the actual weight of the hide, like if you were to put it on a scale, it's pretty heavy because it's got a lot of oils and waxes in it. Yeah. Um, so it's got, you know, good pull up and things, but um, that's nice. I, Yeah. Cavalier is cool. It comes in some nice. It's a yeah. lot like. Yeah, I'm actually. I'm looking at Cavalier now. It would be awesome. It comes in some some neater, you know, some different, more bright colors, and uh, it's got usually really amazing pull up. Yeah, I'm looking um, at the the English tan. It's like tossing up between yeah. the, the dark. Oh, it's like the cognac or the English tan for an apron. Yeah. I have one of the. I have the English tan hide here. I haven't done anything with it yet. It's a little bit yellow yellowish looking. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's super. I really like the feel of it. It makes awesome bags. I love the feel of it for bags. Okay. Kind of a round, round feel. It doesn't like uh, crease. You know, when you, sometimes certain leathers, when you try to when you do the flip, they'll kind of get a crease that's hard to work out. Whereas the uh, Cavalier is kind of a round yeah. feel. You know, it's pretty forgiving that way. So that would be good for an apron. How how big would you need yeah. it? I oh, yeah, so Six, it comes oh. in 16. Oh, this is the brown Cavalier. Cause yeah, well, that'd be plenty big. You know, any of the, even the smaller sides there. Yeah. But all pretty small, I found. You know, those, they tend to be smaller sides, but... With the Cavalier ones? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Bison, they have a bison section. You know, that, that's pretty cool stuff, too, if you... They have some uh, Chrome XL bison that's... Yeah. Some really neat character to it. Does, um... With Chrome XL, how do you do the edges on it? Because I heard that it's quite different to vegetable tan. Would you just leave them on? No, I, I uh, tokenol is the only thing I found to tame them, you know? Yeah. And and it's not actually too bad at all. Um, but it's not like there's a real f uh, loose uh, backside. You know, the flesh side is usually fairly tight it's like almost compacted by all the oils and wax in it yeah so it's not like you're dealing with uh, a lot of loose fibers but um 
yeah, tokenol is is the ticket. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. and I use can or or nylon. Um, in fact, one of the best <laughs> best little things I found when I when I uh, was getting acquainted with Big Duck Canvas, they will send you a sample of different kinds of canvas. Mm-hmm. They helpful for getting a feel for like the weights and the colors that they sell, but um, also you end up with this little sample pack of like perfect little edge burnishers. So oh that's yeah that's a good idea because I, I was, I've seen guys have the little the rags. I was like oh, I want to try and find one of them. <laughs> yeah, that's you cool. know that's another for uh, blue jeans. I don't know if you have anything like well duck cloth um, Carhartt pants are what I've used quite a bit. Like Carhartt is a brand that um, they're like work pants, but it's a mm-hmm. kind of a duck cloth like heavier canvas. Um, and that works great. Like when they wear out, just cut them up, and it's a really nice burnishing cloth. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I watched you know, that guy Don Gonzalez, the saddle maker. He's got a, quite a, a strategy for that, like using canvas on edges. He, he'll take saddle soap, like the cream yeah. from the can, and work it into the um, into the canvas just to like prime the canvas, like get it prepped. Mm-hmm. And then from there, he uses water and uh the glycerin saddle soap like the the bar on the edge um to really shine it up mm-hmm. but to, like prep the the chunk of canvas with the, the saddle soap cream it's pretty interesting he's got a i mean that's what he does all day every day so he's got a pretty good system for it so i tried it, it works good on yeah. base cam what what thickness of canvas do you need for the someone big ducks website they got the seven oh, ounce yeah. ten ounce <laughs> Um, so the, the waxed canvas I've used is 10 ounce. It's like, if I wanted to make a bag that's thinner than I would want for a bag, you know, it feels a little light, but, um, I think I got some other stuff like just the regular, uh, regular like duck cloth or something that I don't know exactly. I could go, go look real quick. Hang on. Wow, it's so much cheaper than leather. <laughs> Just looking at the prices. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I can't kind of forget. Um, but ten ounce is, is good for an apron. Um, probably a little thinner than I would want for a, like a tote or something. Yeah. Yeah. On the thing it says, uh, our ten ounce cotton canvas is the most popular weight for making cornhole wrap bags. Oh yeah, don't don't know what that is. Handbags, uh, <laughs> cornhole. So <laughs> I don't know if you have maybe you have a game that's similar, but it's one of the best summertime uh, barbecue games. You know, okay. um, it's like horseshoes. Like you stand at opposing ends. There's two two of these boxes that are that have a hole in it. It's kind of like a carnival game, but oh um, yeah, yeah. You use top beanbag or the the corn. You can fill it with corn, and and that bag full of corn goes into the hole, so they call it cornhole. Yeah. But it's a great game. Yeah, I'm seeing pictures of it now. How far do you have to stand back from the to throw it? It's a ways. I, I don't know if it's 30 feet or oh, uh, 10 meters. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess when you don't have access to sh- horseshoes, <laughs> like it's a better way to do it. I think you should. You should. Forget Leathercraft and pioneer cornhole on the continent of Australia. Yeah. 
change forever. Have you um, uh, what's uh, have you played two up before? I think it's two up. No, no. Um, it's actually fun fact. Is I'm pretty sure if I'm correct, it's actually illegal. Yeah, it's actually illegal to play this game. Oh really? <laughs> Except on Anzac Day. Um, oh wow. <laughs> so and um yeah, so it's only illegal to. It's legal to play two up on that game. No it's way. Only on that day, and it, so I remember I bought a two up kit when I was like, so ages when I was pretty young. But yeah, it's it's two pennies, so we don't have pennies anymore. Like these are they they don't they're not in circulation anymore. But they're two Australian pennies. There's like a niche, two niches cut out. On, on like a wooden plank and you put the two coins in there and you throw it up in the air and um yeah I don't know what, what play oh yeah so two up isn't a traditional Australian gambling game involved so you, you throw the coins up in the air players bet on whether the coins will fall both heads up or tails up or one coin a head and the other other coin a tail so it's pretty much just like a game of Heads or tails, but with two coins. <laughs> but yeah, it's illegal to play. That... That's amazing. <laughs> except for an Anzac Day. Wow. Huh. Yeah, so it says, Two Up is outlawed on every day besides Anzac Day because it's considered a, because it's considered an un, unregulated form of gambling. <laughs> wow. Licensed premises can host the game only on Anzac Day and, and, only, and only provided... They donate all proceeds to charity. Oh wow! <laughs> so there you go. Interesting. Yeah. So yeah. So that's another. See, you could popularize that on on America. In America. <laughs> we won't. We won't tell them it's illegal on some days. In most places, we'll we'll have to just legalize it everywhere. But yeah. But um. Oh, or maybe in your honor, we'll just do it one day a year. Yeah. <laughs> um. No, that's a cool game, yeah. That's a cool little game, the uh, corn, cornhole. Cornhole is great. It's, you can, you know, just get a little bit of, you know, wood and, and build your own set. The plans are everywhere, you know, and the rules and stuff, but it's it's really fun. A meal, you know, cooking some food with your friends, you know, have that around, and it's, uh, yeah, yeah, it's a ton of um, The only time I was in Australia was a stopover in Sydney. Oh, yeah, you came. Well, I just to the airport, and I lost my wallet in, like, the hour that I was there, so... Yeah, but I found it. Then I, then I left. But yeah, uh, more time there for sure. What do you think of uh, Sydney? Oh, you didn't I didn't really... even. Look for it. I, was, I was busy looking for my wallet, but um, <laughs> but they yeah. found it. New Zealand. I've been there twice, and it's just yeah, it's amazing. I just uh, yeah, love. Yeah, my wife and I go there just just before we had kids and had a, an amazing time. So yeah, I'd like to go to New Zealand. How is Leathercraft changed your life? Well, besides music, I never thought of myself as a as an artist of any kind, um, and I never really had an outlet like a creative outlet. I don't draw, I don't write poetry, I don't you know things like that. So, like finding Leathercraft was a really fun outlet you know i think most of us a lot of us who, who find it think like wow i can actually make something i can innovate i can put my own style on this and that's what i found like all of a sudden i 
shifted gears. Um, like I, I had been a machinist and I made little leather, little metal parts, you know, every, every single one had to be to precise tolerances and things. And, and that was really fun uh, in the, in the way that I could have a finished product. But with leather, you start with a blank slate and you get to make anything. And it was the first time I thought I could actually sort of be an artist, you know, or I can really be an artist mm-hmm. and um, really be creative. And um, so I think that that was a fun, uh, that, that's a, an aspect that really changed my life. Like you don't have to have gone to school to be an artist. You don't, you know, I, I can just do this and uh, sort of gave myself the, the license, I guess, to be creative. And uh, yeah, it's been a really fun process. And, and, now even more than just the uh, the leather craft itself. Like I didn't ever think of being a YouTube person. In fact, I hadn't ever edited a, a video until uh, this year, like January 1st. I said, okay, I think it's time. Um, so I'm still using an iPhone and to, to do all the, the filming and things. Um, and just my editing is not real <laughs> slick or anything, but I, I thought these are skills that I can learn. You know, I don't have to, I can be a creator, you know, I can be creative and I can learn new mediums to create. Um, so I think it was Leathercraft that helped me see that. Like I can, I can try new things and I can, um, you know, sort of put myself out there even as a creator. Well, yeah. what, what do you use to edit your, um, your YouTube videos? Um, I, I finally, uh, well, for the first, uh, six or eight videos i use something called hit film express which is an open source free software that's pretty good but it kept crashing and um so i, I got some videos out on it but it became a, a frustration so i just decided to do the adobe suite yeah. just knowing um you know my other big goal being to uh, get better at adobe illustrator mm-hmm. um so that i can get some patterns out there yeah <clears throat> so, you know it's it's a monthly subscription but that kind of keeps me honest too you know if i'm paying it's like 50 dollars a month um to be able to use the adobe premiere uh editing software for video and then uh the illustrator and, and photoshop and things like that um i have access to all those things and i'm paying for them so i i, I do want to make use of them so you know just trying to stay um i'm trying to be, be i just want to make make each one a little bit better than the last one you know like just like with Leathercraft, you know, the first project is the worst project, you know, and that's okay. you got to kind of get it out of the way. Yeah. And I, it was pretty intimidating with video to start because I knew it would be, be pretty ugly to start with. But um, that's okay. You just got to start somewhere mm-hmm. and then improve one aspect of it, just one little thing on each one. And it, it's going to get better over time. So yeah. I wasn't too worried about the editing. Like, it's it's coming along. It's not flashy, but it's fine. Um, but I, yeah, I look forward to learning a lot more about that. Yeah. Oh, no, that's awesome. Um, yeah. Cause I remember when I like made my first wallet, it's like, do I need to like have a qualification to make something like this? <laughs> like, right. <laughs> that's, yeah. yeah, you can do it and then you, you finish it and you, you actually use it and it doesn't fall apart. It holds all your stuff and like, you know, you just made it and yeah. yep, that's Yeah. Um, how do you how do you not get bogged like I know I mentioned this before, but how do you 
Because Leathercraft can be very full-on. Like, you can get very obsessed with it. Like, you know, leather... Because you have so many choices of leather and thread and tools and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, other people are making things. How do you not get overwhelmed and sort of put leather work aside and focus it? Like, because leather work isn't the only thing important in life, obviously. But, yeah, how do you step away from it and just... Yeah. For for me, like like we were talking about, my you know it's it's down there on my list of priorities. I'd say it's way way up there on my list of passions, but it's you know quite a few notches down on my list of priorities. So there have been uh, seasons of my life where I've been able to spend a lot more time doing it than I do now. <clears throat> but right now it's like, uh, well, like I had mentioned, I I. I gotten really heavy into it and decided i'm going to kind of go into production and make some items to sell kind of have on in stock and inventory um and i got you know i spent so much time so many late nights um to the to the detriment of my family life and my work that put the brakes on you know and um slowed way down i've had a couple of those uh instances where i just have found like I found myself getting kind of overboard and just have to evaluate like where do I want this to be on my list of priorities, you know, and if it's number five or six, that's, you know, I'll establish that. And then I I evaluate like, where is it, you know, and I, in terms of the amount of energy and time and thought that I am devoting to it. And if it's any higher than where I need it to be, I have to make conscious choices to kind of downgrade it, you know, demote it. Uh, to where it ought to be and and that's healthy you know I need to do it and I, thankfully my wife is really um, good at helping me know that you know helping me set boundaries because um, yeah she's my priority and my family is so you know she supports supports me doing it wants me to be doing this kind of thing but also is, is really uh, helps me keep perspective on the rest of life too so yeah um, so the here are some questions from myself, like personal questions, I guess. <laughs> so the Smith's Leather Balm, what's that like? So I've never used it before. and It's uh, just yeah, like heaven can. <laughs> what's, what's in it? Uh, three things. Uh, almond oil, cocoa butter, and uh, beeswax. Okay. So it's real simple. Yeah. And it's... Um, just kind of like as an experiment, it's all I've ever put on one pair of boots I have. Um, they're made in with the Horween Dublin leather, and that's all I've ever put on them, and it works great. You know? But um, it's not. I think part of the the part of it for me, um, Shane Smith, the guy who makes it, is has become a really good friend, and um, he makes a, a great product for sure. And I, you know, bought his product long before I knew knew him personally, but. Now knowing him, you know, he's a guy I just chat with um, regularly, and just is a really neat, encouraging friend. And um, I think he's that kind of person to a lot of people. But um, so he's a, he makes good product, and he's just a really good guy too. So I think he's made a good brand and a really nice natural product that you know you can basically use, you know, as chaps, you know, on chap lips or your hands or or your bag. You know, it's just mm-hmm. a nice product. Yeah. So you, you you condition all your stuff with that before you 
I, I, I don't, I don't do anything to most of the things I make. Yeah. Uh, most of the leather that that I make, you know, the use for for products is is finished. So I don't, I don't put it on like preemptively, but I will ship a tin of it with every bag, um, just so that a person has the option to put it on the bag down the road. You know, it helps kind of minimize scratches or just, you know, if you put it on your shoe. I always say you can, you know, put it on your, your shoes or things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a nice n- natural leather product that, um, you know, it's a nice, I just always, you know, include one with an order of a bag. Oh, that's, that's good. Yeah. Um, what are you burnishing? How do you burnish? I just, I saw a video that you did on <laughs> Um, Instagram where your token oil had frozen over. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Bird, that was a cold, a cold stretch. Yeah, yeah, there was. <laughs> but I do use token oil a lot. Um, I, you know, it's it's the, it's the one that won't back down from any leather. You know, I found that it uh, solves basically any any burnishing issue. You know, like it works well on veg tan. I think you probably yeah, found that. Yeah, it does. Um, or to somebody, uh, Joe, with JH Leather, yeah. Um, so I use it on a lot of things. I also, when I'm just doing like strictly veg tan, I do. I go a long way with just um, sandpaper and water. Actually, um, I heard somebody say there's nothing better than saliva, and <laughs> there's truly not. I don't know if you've ever tried it. Oh, I actually have, but yeah, like nothing to. Nothing. Um, I don't use it anymore. So any of the listeners that if they buy it doesn't have my saliva. <laughs> but yeah, I have I have, I have done it because I remember this was before token all day. So that's how. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I'll tell you, it gets an edge going with some some fine sandpaper and spit. Like it it works wonders. And then uh, hit it with some beeswax and canvas after that, and it's a good edge. But so I. I use a lot of water and sandpaper and then um, beeswax and, and canvas, you know, those kind of all together. Um, and then just kind of repeating that process, you know, and then uh, beeswax and sandpaper and beeswax and sandpaper. Um, you can make a super nice edge with just that. Mm-hmm. A lot of guys, you know, saddle makers make a lot of use of the Phoebing's uh, saddle soap, both the cream and the glycerin soap. Mm-hmm in burnishing um i don't like that as much but i know it can be a good good way to go mm-hmm. I, I think that like some elbow grease and uh beeswax and canvas goes a long way for for veg tan otherwise canvas and uh the tokenol or or a, a cocoa bolo like in a dremel tool yeah. you know a little burn that works pretty well but still i like the canvas and just being able to kind of work it you know and as you burnish you can kind of mold it with your fingers with the canvas yeah, yeah, I want to get some of that can- canvas. So, um, something else that kind of works well is a like a cordura nylon. Um, it can generate some heat, like yeah. just a little of that, and so that works pretty pretty well as an alternative canvas. But you, you so you couldn't use denim. Denim works okay. Um, mm-hmm. That duck cloth pants uh, work better than denim that i found but denim would probably work if it's kind of a stiffer denim yeah yeah Yeah. okay um so yeah why is it with burnishing you have to like sandpaper the the beeswax off again 
Well, I think it's more of like you're creating heat and you're not you're, you're knocking those fibers down in there. You're kind of like melting things together. Yeah. As well as just sanding off the high spots. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 But I think it's like because you can really with like fine grit sandpaper you can you know, it can become like glass but I think it's really a, a heat thing too you know you're generating yeah. heat yeah. while it's knocking out the spots on. Yeah. <clears throat> um, what are your hobbies outside of the craft? Um, I love mountain biking. There's, oh really? I love riding bikes and that's yeah. You know if I uh, if I have some spare time you know. Not with my family. With my family, we like to go hiking and things like that. Um, yeah. And just, you know, of course, I play with the kids a lot and go swim in the lake and stuff. But um, mountain biking is probably my favorite thing yeah. to do if I have spare time with friends when the weather permits. Does it snow where you are? It does, yeah. Yeah. It snowed today. Oh, really? Um, it's springtime here, so it kind of, yeah, but it snowed uh, in town and then in the mountains nearby it did. Yeah, can you do skiing where where you are? Yep. Yeah, yeah, there's good skiing, and that and then that becomes the, you know, the places where we go mountain biking. Yeah. Actually, on the ski, ski hills, there are some trails too. But yeah, my brother was in Whistler. Oh yeah. And uh, yeah, it's like skiing in the winter, mountain bike in the summer, and yeah, he he loved it. Oh yeah, so you're just near Canada up there. I just see so next to Idaho. Oh yeah, we're. Um, in fact, my wife from a town north of here that's just actually on the border. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it looks like Canada. It's sort of the border between U.S. and Canada. Actually, yeah. with, the, with those lakes, uh, can you... F is it... If they're fresh water, they wouldn't be salt water. I'm... Yeah, correct. Yep. Are they... Do you have much buoyancy when you swim through them? No. Not not like salt water. I yeah. get well, not not like the the Dead Sea, I guess. But um, no, it's it, it, a strange fact. We we live on a big lake. Um, like if you look at the northwest part of Montana, uh, there's the biggest lake in that. I think it's the biggest lake in the state, or um, Flathead Lake, and that's the water we drink. We we filter it, but it, we pump it from the lake to our house, that's and awesome. that's our drinking water. Yeah. yeah, not that it's that pure in and of itself, but um, yeah, the house where we live is like an old place where it's that's what was set up initially. So yeah, it's kind of odd, an odd thing that we drink the lake water. But can you can you go down to the lake and drink it if you want? Or... I would not drink it. Just just drink <laughs> it. Um, I wouldn't mind getting a you know mouthful if I was swimming or something. But yeah, it's just it's a old lake though. You know, it's a good good yeah. fresh fresh. Yeah. And uh, so I got two. Oh, actually, this was the last. Uh, one of the last questions, and then two of them from uh, from the Instagram post. So with that skiving machine, uh, I know we sort of we spoke about this before the <laughs> the podcast. But um, if you so just say you cut it to two point five millimeters, and then if you wanted to cut it again, it couldn't cut because it was stuck on two point five millimeters. Is that true with the electric ones or are they completely different yeah that's that's the same um okay there's a press so the, the presser foot is at a set distance above the blade and so the the bell knife is always spinning mm -hmm. and a, a feed 
wheel that feeds the leather in toward the knife. And there's a, um, so it's, you know, it's at the, it's just to the, to the side of the, the knife. So it's feeding it in as you're, um, pressing on the pedal. But the thing that's, uh, determining the thickness of the sky is the presser foot that's coming down from above. Mm-hmm. So the distance between the presser foot and the knife is what's going to be left over after you skive. And that's the same. So like you said, if you run it through once and you try to run it through again, there'll be nothing left unless you adjust the, the height of the presser foot. Also, so if you skive it and then put it through again, it'll, it'll cut even more? No, no. It won't. There, it, it oh. will have, yeah, it'll, it will have cut everything. Uh, you need to lower the presser foot if you want to take another oh, yeah. slice. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. Yep. How how often do you have to sharpen? Well, I'm I'm almost ready for my first sharpen wow. sharpening. Yeah, yeah, I haven't. Um, it's fairly new to me. Um, so it's it was one of those tools, kind of like a sewing machine that I wanted for a long time, um, but just took forever to yeah. to finally. Get. I'm really thankful to have it now. Um, so, but I, I haven't had it for too long, and, and during the time that I've had it, I haven't actually made too many things on it. Made a couple bags and stuff. Yeah. So I haven't really put too many miles on it yet. So it's yeah. probably due for a sharpening, though. So. Do you, Do you have like, do you have like the different stones, like the little um, because you got like the main stone that sharpens them. Do you have like the little polishing stone that you have to like put on the? There is one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Done... Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So I have this uh, sewing machine uh, from Leather Machine Company, you know, this Cobra. So I had really good uh, success. You know, I, the reason, one of the reasons I went with that uh, outfit is because they uh, are kind of known for having good customer service. It's not, you know, if you have an issue with the sewing machine, you can actually talk to a person. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Tandy now is selling uh, those those machines through that company. So um, anyway, I'm uh got got it from tandy anyway and it's yeah. it's been a thing so far and um yeah it's they make one that's heavier duty than this it's meant for heavier leather and it has a top feed and a bottom feed like a you know something that'll that'll actually drive pull the leather in um like a roller on the top and the bottom whereas this one only has one on the bottom so it doesn't quite have the same uh you know ability to pull heavier leather through it mm-hmm. um the one with the top and the bottom feed will have a little bit more uh, muscle to, to feed the leather in. You know, if it meets more resistance, it's going to be able to pull thicker leather through, yeah. take a heavier cut. But this one's great for what I've used it for. Yeah. Yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to have a skiving machine. Is, is the um, other parts easy to find for that one? Like if you, have a blade, if you have to get a blade or something like that? Yeah, you know, they're all... Um, so similar they're all clones of the same machine so i think yeah i think most um yeah, yeah you can find parts but that, that that's another reason i kind of wanted to stick with this leather machine company because they're they're a company in the u.s it's tempting to like hop on ebay and just buy <laughs> one deal but then really stuck i've heard some horror stories things come with like parts that are cracked and wow. you gotta make it work sort of and um you know it's nice to know uh, nice to know that there's a company that that can that has the parts on hand for one thing, but that can also answer questions if you run yeah. into issues. And and if you, if you do like to say if you have like a card pocket or 
a square like a you could you can you can scarf the full piece of leather like you just go through one time then go through the next next yeah kind of like mowing, mowing the grass you yeah know, does it does across. it does it um does it leave marks on the top of the leather like um it depends like um certain leathers like say that ha have a waxy pull-up yeah uh, will you know, where it drags across the presser foot. The yeah. presser foot is smooth and polished, but it will tend to leave, like, leave a line there. But what I found is that using a heat gun, um, if it's, if it's, it's not actually scratching the leather, it's just kind of creating a, a little pull-up, like a miniature pull-up effect yeah. across it. And so a heat gun um, usually takes all that away. So yeah. I kind of experimented with that a little bit. Um, and I think if you have a, a presser foot that's not really well polished it can it can mar up the leather but generally it doesn't yeah we're interesting what it looks if, if you do the Ital that italian leather over it uh-huh see if it marks the surface yeah I'll, I'll do that i made a little video i think a while back or oh you know what i did i filmed it but i never edited it because it didn't seem like it would amount to much of interest yeah. for anybody um, I did look at that, and, and basically the gist of it was that um, it, it can look kind of dramatic at first, like it's really messing up the surface of, your, of the leather, but usually, uh, you know, every leather is a little bit different in terms of how kind of sensitive it is to that, but if it's just the wacky effect, usually a heat gun can uh, work it right out. Yeah. So these are two questions from, from Lighthouse Leather Co. The first one is, when did you know leather was the career for you? But obviously, yeah. you don't do it for a yeah. career, but I thought I'd read the yep. question out. Sure. Yeah, um, yeah I... Um, well, it's it's one of those things, like, I haven't been able to put it down, you know. There's always something new to try. So, it, it, it's... You know, at the same time, we've moved quite a bit. We, you know, we've, we've had babies, we've moved. There's been chapters in my life where it has needed to get put away. But the cool thing is it's always right there. You know, nothing has changed. I'd still there ready to, ready to work on again. You know, if I have a project that's half done, it can get pulled out again. And um, So it's been a good, like, traveling uh, hobby or side business, whatever phase of life we're in. But, um, yeah, so it's definitely not my career. Maybe someday, but. Most likely not, but it's uh, always something that will be able to pay for itself, you know. I can always make things to sell, and, um, you know, if times are tough, it'd be a, it's always a way I can help support my family. Like, even now, I uh, through making a few things to sell, but um, the YouTube, um, there's potential to make some money there that um, is just a, a nice supplement for our family to be able mm -hmm. to do swim lessons and piano lessons and things like that. So, yeah, yeah that's that's a, a real blessing. So yeah, not, not a career, but, um, uh, uh something I enjoy doing enough that it's doesn't feel like a, a job when I, when I am able to make some extra money at it for sure. Yeah. So yeah, you know, you have, I guess you, if you wanted to, you could stop doing it whenever, but why have you decided to keep it going? Well, I, I feel like there's so much yet to like, I've uh, learned so much already that, um, I want to keep building on that. Like I could just as easily start doing woodwork, for example, if I yeah. had extra time. And I like that, but I, you know, I would be starting from 
from ground zero. Whereas with this, like I've built a good foundation and yeah. I feel like I have aspirations to yeah. further those skills. And, um, and to be honest, it's the community. Like I love interact. It's like a, it's become a really cool part of my life to be able to interact with a lot of people. Um, and I learned so much by, you know, I'll make something and, um, or do something a certain way and I'll say, this is how I do it. Now, how do you do it? And it's like the best kind of crowdsourcing, you know, like 10 people will say, well, I do it this way. And, yeah. um, I learned so much, just feel, uh, you know, I'm really, I feel just really blessed by the community that, uh, is around and um like if i were to switch and do something different i'd be not only leaving the the craft behind but the community too and um you know that that's a real i don't know which i really like more you know the you know i i think i could still do the craft if i didn't have the community but um it's a it's a really fun part of it for me yeah yeah i know what you mean it sort of adds to it the um yeah and then finally this was another question a lighthouse of the co what inspires your designs um i think that you know nature does as we were talking about a little bit before but um i think that you know you don't see in nature you don't see colors that don't go together you see colors that perfectly go together you know like uh, browns and um even where things get more colorful, like a, a patch of wildflowers, for example, they're all different colors, but they don't clash. They go perfectly together. I, I just see evidence of God's good design in not only like the colors, but the, the patterns, the designs, the, the uh, proportions in nature. Um, and I feel like that's a really powerful design tool to kind of study, study what's in nature. And, um, use some of those things and kind of understand a little bit about what makes some designs appealing and some proportions appealing and try to incorporate those into the leather work. Um, certainly, certainly nature, but also other people um, who make, I, I feel like personally like geometry, like intriguing patterns are like always fascinate me. I love seeing things that are kind of out of the ordinary um, things that are, uh, there's a guy named Julian from Ochre Handcrafted, I think is the, Instagram handle O C H R E, <clears throat> and his. Um, uh, if you if you go to his page, you'll see exactly what I mean. Just the patterns are like he spent so much time on these really unique patterns to make these three dimensional um, kind of folding leather up in in ways that are just so creative. So stuff like that is really intriguing to me. It kind of like keeps my wheels turning. So maybe not repeating the same thing that everybody else is doing, but like looking at new ways to uh, use geometry and, and just creative pattern making to um, try something new. And uh, yeah, those kind of things really inspire me in the design. Yeah. I actually, I like when you mentioned about looking out in nature and how things don't clash. I was just looking at like my window then to find something in nature and I saw there's a tr there's like a, tree and it has um like obviously the gr the leaves are green like a dark green sort of thing but then there's sort of like a red ish or pinkish um like flower or seeds or whatever blooming next to the tree leaves and it's like yeah they don't even they don't clash like i like when you said yeah. that well it, it just looks good so i think um you know if i'm picking colors like a, a two-tone you know bag or something 
like that you don't it can just like look outside on the ground and see two different leaves and like oh those those will go you know like this green and this brown thanks tanner for coming on i appreciate it yeah my pleasure joseph